Anne van Kamp, the Lobson Cross College, Oxford, and curator of Northern European Art at the Ashmolean Museum here at Oxford, which is where we are now in the fantastic Young Rembrandt exhibition of which you are co-curator. I should say, we're here in the central hall of the exhibition and we're wearing face masks so we have to speak louder so you can hear what we're saying. And welcome to some cross-colored shorts. Thank you. It's an amazing exhibition. Uh, Anne, how did the idea for it come? Um, how did it emerge? How did it develop? Well, the exhibition is a long time in the making. In fact, um, the initial idea of the exhibition started over 10 years ago, so before I joined the Ashmolean Museum. Um, and it started between conversations between the then director of the Ashmolean Museum, Professor Christopher Brown, and the curator of Museum de Larkenhall in Leiden, Leiden, which is Rembrandt's birthplace, hence the idea to focus on Rembrandt's Leiden period on its very beginnings of his career. 2019 was the International Year of Rembrandt, which was celebrated worldwide with many exhibitions, publications, conferences, workshops, um, and 2019 marked 350 years since Rembrandt's death. So that was, although we're focusing on a very different part of his career, we're focusing on the very early part rather than his death, um, we thought that would be a good occasion to stage the Rembrandt exhibition in Oxford and in Leiden, who are also twin cities and university cities. So it was a very appropriate partnership. Can you walk us through the exhibition? What, what are the guiding themes? Um, there's many guiding themes and what we didn't want to do in the, in the exhibition is do a chronological survey because that would have been really boring if we just would have arranged all the paintings, all the prints, all the drawings in chronological order and showed them. So we were really trying to provide a glimpse into Rembrandt's workshop, sort of looking over his shoulder, how he's working, what are his methods, what are his interests, what are his techniques, what are his themes. And so we sort of tried to theme the exhibition in different sections. And so at the very beginning, and we've just walked through the entrance door and we walk through the first gallery, um, you start off with an introduction wall which shows three self-portraits by Rembrandt. And we deliberately did this because the first thing we wanted our visitors to see was to meet the young Rembrandt. And so we showed three self-portraits when he's 22 years old, both in drawing, painting and in print. And we've done that very deliberately because we really want to, we didn't want to feature Rembrandt as a painter or as a printmaker or as a draftsman. We wanted to show him as a holistic artist who's working in all these media at the same time on the same project. So we wanted to sort of show a cross-section. And so from, them, from there onwards, from that introduction wall, we'll first meet Rembrandt's family in Leiden. And so Rembrandt portrayed many um, many uh, depictions of his father, of his mother, other people we can't identify, so I like to think they're his brothers, his sisters, his uncles, his aunts. Um, and once we've introduced the family in Leiden, and in fact we've designed that section with a very nice Dutch marble floor, so if you come to the exhibition, look at the floor and you'll see this nice uh, marble pattern. 
Um, once we've done that, we're going to explore Rembrandt's printmaking techniques, his etching technique. And we're going to do that through his very earliest prints, but also some of the mistakes he made, the botched prints, the unfinished prints he made. We even have original copper plates in the exhibition, which are lying alongside the prints taken from them. We have a video which shows how the etching technique was done. If we then um, look around the first gallery, we also have Rembrandt's very first paintings. And if we look at these paintings, we can already tell that Rembrandt was not this born genius. Like he really wasn't as accomplished yet at the beginning of his career as we like to think Rembrandt as the great artist, as this naturally gifted master. No, he really had to practice, he had to experiment, he had to fail, he had to improve through sheer determination and experimentation. Will he then gradually and quite rapidly transform into the master we all know. So in the first gallery, we really sort of see the very early paintings, which aren't quite there yet. So you'll see there's still a lack of perspective, very garish color palette, um, no anatomy. For instance, if you look at the fingers, they just look like sausages. If you look at the ears, they look like telephone receivers. It's all very caricatural. And so then when we enter the second room, so the, the central hall in which we are now sitting, um, we're going to explore Rembrandt in Leiden and his collaborations. And so the very first part of this second room explores the partnerships between Rembrandt and Levens. And so when we look at the friendship, because it was, was a friendship, like only, there's only a few months difference in age between them, they went to the same school, they lived in the same neighborhood, they had the same painter teachers, so they definitely knew each other, were very good friends, grew up together. Um, Levens was more naturally gifted, he was more premature than Rembrandt, and I think it's that difference in, in talents, that sort of difference in levels um, that really spurred Rembrandt on to become better. It was a sort of creative competition between them and you can really tell from looking at the exhibition. And so we explore a few themes that they both painted or drew or made prints of um, at the same time. And so for instance, we have a section on the raising of Lazarus. We have a section on Samson and Delilah. And so we gradually see them, although they start off quite similarly, especially in their painting technique, we see, gradually we see them sort of becoming very different and Rembrandt becoming the Rembrandt we all know and admire today. And then in the middle of the exhibition, um, we have probably the most pivotal um, work of the show, which is the Repentant Judas. Um, Rembrandt painted this in 1629 in Leiden, 1629 is of course bang in the middle of our exhibition. We charted the years between 1624 and 1634. So 1629 is the moment when Rembrandt was painting the repentant Judas and when he received a visit in his studio of Constantin Huygens, who was the art dealer and the secretary to the Prince of Orange of the Dutch Republic at that time. And so when Constantin Huygens saw this painting and this young artist in Leiden, and he calls them still beardless, so they must have still been quite young, when he sees this painting, he's completely blown away. You know, he, he's very familiar with the work of the great masters in Amsterdam. But seeing this young Leiden artist paint the repentant Jesus is a real transformation. And so he goes back to The Hague and tells the court 
how amazing this Rembrandt from Leiden is. And from that moment onwards, we see Rembrandt receiving court commissions. And so that's the second section um, of this gallery where we see portraits being made from people living from courtiers in The Hague. Also the first paintings entering the Prince of Orange's collection. Um, there's also uh, prints related to uh, Passion of Christ. Um, and then in one uh, final section of this second room, um, we have what we call my naughty corner. And that's where we explore Rembrandt's everyday scenes. And so there's parlor games, there's peasants. Um, for instance, there's peasants urinating, there's peasants defecating, um, there's nudes who, um, don't, um, who look very sort of natural, very realistic, who don't really convey to the, to the traditional sense of beauty. So you can see they have sagging breasts, they have soft bellies, they have cellulite on their thighs. And Rembrandt didn't mind, like he really wants to depict those women as they appear in front of him. And these prints and drawings and paintings were very, very popular in Rembrandt's time. And I think we can all see why, because of course it's very attractive to see a real woman rather than a sort of idolized um, imagination of the artist. And so then in the final room of the exhibition, we're exploring th two themes. One is Rembrandt's workshop, because even already from 1628, so when Rembrandt was only 22 years old, he's already attracting students and pupils in his workshop, um, and which is quite early. And of course, it was very helpful for Rembrandt to have assistants helping him, preparing his canvases. Um, but it was also commercially very viable because they would pay tuition fees to him. So it was a sort of income for the young Rembrandt. Um, and so we explore several of his pupils and how they work in the style of the masters. And often these paintings would then be sold from Rembrandt's workshop as a real Rembrandt, which now causes art historians across the world huge headaches because even if there's an original signature by Rembrandt on the painting, we still can't be sure if it's actually by Rembrandt or by one of his pupils. And then in the last section, which covers the years 1631 to 1634. Um, we explore how Rembrandt finally moves to Amsterdam, which is the, the big city with the big port, the international harbor. Um, and in fact, he moves in the harbor area. And so it's a very multicultural area where Rembrandt moves to with ships coming in from the East India Company. And so we see how Rembrandt starts to collect um, all these luxury import goods. So you see all these um, fine fabrics from India, China, you see uh, Japanese swords, you see Japanese swords appearing, you see turbans and shawls. Um, and so it's very interesting to see how Rembrandt then uses all these attributes as studio props and dresses himself up. And when Rembrandt arrived in Amsterdam, he wasn't a citizen yet, he wasn't a citizen yet of the city, so he wasn't allowed to sell his own paintings. So what he had to do is he had to work for an art dealer there for three years until he obtained his citizenship. And once he, did, he had that, he could join the Painters Guild and start selling his own paintings. And he finally achieved that in 1634. And that's the end of our exhibition because then the early career of this young artist has concluded and is ready for the mature phase of his career. It gives us a very... Uh detailed look at a period in his life where so much happened. Can you put 
the young Rembrandt in the context of the scholarship of his time? So the young Rembrandt is a sort of understudied area of Rembrandt scholarship because if we go to the Rijksmuseum or if you go to any exhibition by Rembrandt, whether it's about his prints, his drawings or his paintings, they always focus on the mature or the late period of Rembrandt's life because that's when we really see that typical Rembrandt style, sort of the very dramatic biblical scenes, the historical scenes, the impressive portraits where you see the broad brush strokes, the, the thick impasto lying on the canvas. Um, with the young Rembrandt, we really wanted to go to the period before he became famous, before he became successful. And because these paintings aren't as accomplished yet, especially in the very first years, and the same goes for the prince, his drawings are always amazing. Like Rembrandt is the most incredible draftsman, but you really see him struggling in the paintings and in the prints. And so for me, as an art historian, that's a lot more interesting to sort of see where the artist came from, that he didn't, he wasn't just born as this amazing genius and made the most incredible paintings from the beginning of his career. No, you really see him practicing, you see him experimenting, you see him failing, trying again, and then eventually becoming much better through his own persistence. Now, he, he never finished formal education. Was that usual for the time? Yeah, if you wanted to become an artist, you didn't necessarily... There wasn't an academy, for instance, in, in the Dutch Republic. So what you would do is you would enroll with a fellow artist or an established artist and do apprenticeships. And we know, for instance, that Rembrandt enrolled at Leiden University, which was the first university of the Dutch Republic, founded in 1575, so not that long uh, before Rembrandt enrolled. Um, he was 14 at the time, which sounds really young, but there's no proof that Rembrandt actually attended any lectures or finished a degree, and so it's more likely that he registered at university to get a tax break and perhaps for the fear free beer that allowed it. Um, so what Rembrandt did as soon as he knew that he wanted to become an artist, he, um, he did an apprenticeship with a local artist um, in Leiden, he's called Jakob van Zoanenburg. No one might know his name nowadays, but he was one of Rembrandt's uh, teachers. And Rembrandt stayed there for three years and we can't really see great influence of Van Zwanenburg on Rembrandt's later work and so we presume that Rembrandt mainly learned uh, technical aspects, for instance grinding of pigments, preparing of canvases, maybe some sketching, um, maybe painting the backgrounds of the painting of the master. And what was more pivotal was after three years Rembrandt moved to Amsterdam for a very short period of six months to go and study with one of the great painters at that time in Amsterdam called Peter Lastman. And again, not very well known anymore today, but back then the leading artist. And both Levens and Rembrandt went to study with him. And so we have a painting and a drawing in the exhibition to show how Lastman influenced Rembrandt. So I get the sense of the, the exhibition de-silos Rembrandt as a solitary genius. That's my perception of it, but is that really the case? Yeah, I think if you look at the exhibition, you see how many collaborations, how many partnerships, how many creative um, 
collaborations that Rembrandt engaged in and yes there is that perception of Rembrandt being a somewhat grumpy arrogant solitary artist but I think especially in this early phase of his career these first 10 years because he wasn't that great yet and he admitted it he knew this himself he had to work with other people so we've already touched um, upon his creative competitive friendship with Levens. Um, of course, we have all the pupils who are running around in his workshop and we know up to six pupils, um, six named pupils that were working in Rembrandt's workshop in that early period and there must have been many more that, whose name have now been forgotten or that we don't have um, evidence anymore from. Um, we also know that Rembrandt collaborated with another printmaker and so of course we see tens and tens of beautiful small etchings in this exhibition by Rembrandt who are very drawing-like, they're very sketchy, very original, they really show Rembrandt's unique style. There's also a few prints in the exhibition which are reproductions after his paintings and these were usually made in collaboration with another printmaker from Leiden called Gilles van Vliet, Jan van Vliet, Jan Gilles van Vliet. And so we know that when Rembrandt wanted to make a proper print, a proper reproductive print after his paintings, that he went to Jan van Vliet for him to make the print for Rembrandt. Well, I've got one more question which, which intrigues me, which is that we're here, part of the University of Oxford, where you know, myself, yourself, many others are involved in tutoring. Do you think Rembrandt was a good tutor? I think so, um, although again he's sort of known as this sort of grumpy, quite moody artist and he did attract many pupils and in fact um, it's appropriate you ask this question because there's one painting in particular in the exhibition which really illustrates what a great uh, tutor, what a great teacher Rembrandt was and so one of Rembrandt's most famous pupils perhaps not at the time, but who would eventually become a very famous painter in his own right, is um, Gerrit Dau. And if you go to the National Gallery, you can see lots of his paintings, for instance. And so we have a selection of very early paintings by Gerrit Dau in this exhibition, including a portrait by Dau after a Rembrandt self-portrait, which makes Rembrandt look looks much prettier than he does in his own self-portrait. Um, but there's one painting in particular from the Getty in Los Angeles which shows the young Prince Rupert with his tutor and in fact the painting itself is a collaboration between Rembrandt and Dow and Rembrandt painted the tutor and Dow painted the pupil Prince Rupert and it's such a touching collaboration and you immediately see the difference in style. Rembrandt you know, he depicts this old tutor with his wrinkled hands and typical old lived uh, face, while the, while the student has very smooth, fine skin, which is very typical for Dao, and which would become his trademarks in, in his trademark in years to come. And I have, thank you so much for this, this interview and uh, for holding it in this sort of magnificent setting. We're in 2020, the exhibition has opened, it's closed, it's reopened, it <laughs> yes. continues to, to be opened until... until 1st when? of November. 1st of November, fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you, Stanley.